Well, hello again, and welcome to the Cheers to Comics podcast. I'm your host, Brian Wayne, and this is another segment of Trade Negotiations. If you're not familiar with the Trade Negotiations format, essentially what it is is I go through and I break down a, uh, a trade paperback. Or sometimes it's not a trade paperback, admittedly. Sometimes it's a five-issue story arc that I couldn't wait till it's produced in paperback form. But nevertheless, that's that's what it's happening here. I go through and give you a play-by-play. Maybe not necessarily play-by-play, but a pretty decent rundown. Uh, for previous listeners of the podcast, you know that I've, I've really dedicated a bunch of these segments to Chew, which has been one of my favorite indie reads of all time. Really loving the hell out of it. And... Uh, well, once again, we're, we're back with another edition. We're already up to Volume 9 now. Volume 9 of Chew. This is Chicken Tenders. So the first chapter of our story starts out in Vegas. And there's a few different things happening here. Uh, <laughs> there's a couple of marriages that occur, and some some deaths happen. And deaths are pretty pretty common in this story, so that's really nothing out of the ordinary, but these marriages, on the other hand, right off the bat, we, uh, the, the, the first marriage that is revealed to us is the marriage between Amelia and Tony. They don't had the knot, and it says the honeymoon suite the day after. The day after what? Well, we'll find out. So, uh, we see that they're, they're in their little, their coconut cabana, their uh, honeymoon suite, and they are interrupted, and yeah, it's an emergency. Well, we'll get back to that in a second. So now we cut over to the day before, and the day before we realize that while also in Vegas, we have the annual law enforcement sympo- symposium. So here we have, as you would imagine, a bunch of law enforcement agents, and Tony's getting all the praise in the world on account of that, Kobe as well, that huge chicken-slash-pillow bus that occurred in the last volume. So he's, he's practically a celebrity at this point. Uh, the main focus of this scenario actually is on Appleby. <laughs> and what I mean by that is it really reflects on why... And, yeah, why he treats Tony the way he does. And when he meets his superior, his superior completely shuns him. It treats him like a piece of shit and blah de blah blah So, naturally, that attitude is, uh, well, you, I mean, I wouldn't say naturally, but you could see where he gets his, his hatred from. He's just kind of reflecting it back on Tony. So... Uh, his superior goes right up to Tony, practically his moral enemy. His superior, by the name, is named, uh, or by the name, by the way, is named Lamode. I bet you his first name's Al. Al Lamode. <laughs> so, naturally, this upsets uh, Appleby, and he goes and he has a drink. And Kobe, he goes and joins him because, you know, there's a little bit of companionship between the two. They've. They've bumped uglies a couple of times, so, yeah, he goes to cheer up his buddy slash boss. Meanwhile, Tony and Amelia find this reason to go get themselves a drink. And throughout, uh, con- you know, we go back and forth between those twos' conversations, and on one end, we've got Tony and Amelia kind of talking, 
about stuff that really leads to the conclusion of what makes Tony happy, and that would be marrying Amelia. So that's that's what leads into that. But on the other end of that conversation in the bar, we <laughs> we get a very fucked up and drunk uh, Applebee, really kind of saying, you know, boo-hooing about, oh, my boss was mean to me, and he yelled at me, and called me an oaf, and yum, yum, yeah, like he does. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, Tony and Amelia, they go off, and they get Elvis married, and they're, then we cut back to that, that honeymoon suite, and we get the call, and that call, that emergency of national security is coming from Caesar. And uh, Caesar, you know, he says, look, dude, uh, Kobe's not answering his phone. And that's because he's drunk and hanging out with Appleby, who is also not answering his phone for the same reason. And Tony says, well, just send in Pollo. Well, Pollo, he be busy, yo. He's out facing Unisaurus Rex <laughs> um, somewhere else on a secret mission. So it's only Tony's the only one that can that can get involved in this. So, he's, he's off to the case. Well, coincidentally enough, this case is at the FDA Law Enforcement Symposium. So, while they were off getting married, some fuckery happened. And when they show up, they realize that this, this speaking hall has been decimated. And at first, it kind of looks like everybody's covered in dookie. But because this is a, a food-based book, it didn't take me too long to realize that that's actually chocolate fudge. Uh, so, everybody is caked in hot fudge. Well, they also say that, too, in the same panel, but <laughs> they didn't have to tell me that. Uh, yeah, so everybody's caked in hot fudge and dead, except for a couple of people that are barely left alive and blah, blah, blah. One of these victims also happens to be Professor uh, Anazani, I think, and he's an armovictologist. Yeah, I practiced that word. And he oversees the FDA Food Weapon Development Program, and he's developed himself a fudge gun, as I like to call it, at least. And he's he's showing it at the symposium and says, well, you know, it's still under development on account of the high risk of suffocation. Well, that's when all the bad shit happens, and they're robbed. And, you know, it's, everybody's made to believe at first that it was the Church of Immaculate Ova that went and did this. But... It doesn't take long uh, uh, for Tony to realize that there's something bigger than this. It is not just the Church of Immaculate Ova doing this shit. It was actually the collector behind it all. And I can't say just. It wasn't the, the church at all. It was the, the collector was somebody else, uh, another killer put up to it. So Toby's, or Toby, uh, Tony, he's able to go through, track down the gun. He gets it back, and uh, yeah, all's well there, right? Well, um, after that's all said and done, they, they go back, or Tony and Amelia, they just said, okay, let's, let's go check on, you know, or not check, let's, let's go maybe do our honeymoon stuff. But Tony says, first, uh, I haven't heard from Colby in a while, and because all of these agents have been going missing left and right, and, you know, the collector's on the loose, I'm gonna go check on fucking my partner. And, you know, he busts in the door, and what he finds is... A makeshift honeymoon suite. <laughs> the Kobe and Appleby kind of made up on their own. Well, I would maybe they didn't necessarily. Maybe they just got another room together. Yeah, no. Now that I look around, that's that's yeah, that's what happened. 
But the fact is, that was the second marriage. Kobe and Appleby are now married. And that's the first chapter. Uh, I know it doesn't really seem like a whole lot went down in that, you know? I mean, there's a long way of saying those, there was two marriages, and there's a fudge gun that went about. But uh, at the same time, I mean, me, me reading this, there's... <laughs> the, see, that's, that's why I feel okay doing these. You know, I gotta... People may wonder, well, why, why, how are you going to claim yourself to be someone that tries to go, you know, get people into the industry, go out and buy books, and you just tell them it's all there? Well, here's the deal. Comic books are a 50-50 medium. 50% of it is story. 50% of it is story via visuals. And, you know, being a podcast format and all, I can't provide that other half for you, so... There's lots, of, I mean, Guillory, the, by the way, John Lehman and Rob Guillory, I didn't give credit to them in the beginning of this podcast, but, yeah, Guillory, he has a way of just throwing in funny Easter egg after funny Easter egg after funny Easter egg, so, yeah, that's all stuff that I'm not going to go through on this podcast, otherwise, these, these trade negotiations will be two hours long if I pointed out everything, so that's why I feel comfortable still, I just give you the gist of the story. Or at least all the major talking points. Still lots to be enjoyed on your own. So keep that in mind. So that's the first chapter. Uh, let's let's move on to chapter two. We start out and we got ourselves a funeral. Rest in peace, Sandwich J. Harper. Secret agent, security specialist, naval, Navy, uh, naval seal, and fish lover. And throughout his, uh, so we see the tombstone, and then we see a bunch of single-shot confessions from a bunch of characters throughout this story, like Buttercup the Lion, and uh, Flapjack the Donkey, and even Pollo shows up. And we've got the USDA director, Holly Pena, she's there, Hopscotch is there. Now, one little Easter egg thingy that I do want to point out here is, they're not just there, all of these characters, they have... A, a little bit of dialogue, and dialogue is very used. The word that word's very loose here. Like uh, Buttercup, for instance, his dialogue is growl, and Flapjack is ee ha as a donkey would say. Poyo doesn't say much. He just has the old skull and crossbones in his uh, talk bubble. And you know, I, I don't need to go through all of them. You get an idea. But the one that I really, really want to point out is Hopscotch the kangaroo, and his dialogue is moo with an asterisk next to it. And this is the type of funny shit you get out of this book, for example. That asterisk leading down at the bottom says, Writer has no idea what kangaroos sound like. Y you get it, right? <laughs> this this is good shit, guys. Uh, so, nevertheless, Tony is also at this funeral, and he's pissed that Kobe isn't there. Uh, Kobe's busy with something else. And, well, what's Kobe busy with? Kobe is busy pretty much, well... He is at the Applebee family inauguration, if you will. It is, you know, because they had a Vegas-style wedding and none of the, the fam was there, all of the Applebees, apparently they host this big party in honor of Kobe. And, yeah, they are welcoming him to the family. and Yeah, so that's what's going on there. Uh, but the, the, the gist of all of this is, is uh, Caesar, he's also there, he's invited. And he points out that Tony's not there. Now, Tony's not there for, A, he's at the funeral, and B, May, or not a Mason, uh, Appleby forbid Kobe to invite Chew. As you know, Appleby and Chew, or Appleby, at least in 
yeah. <laughs> Apple B hates Chew. I don't. I wouldn't say so much as the the feelings mutual. Maybe semi mutual, but yeah, you can't stand the dude. So that was the one request. But uh, Kobe used this as a good way to reintroduce another character in the mix, one that also does not get along with Chew, and one Chew doesn't want anything to do with the freshly broken out of prison Mason Savoy. So, like I said. Applebee said you could bring anyone you want, invite anybody to this party, as long as it's not Tony Chu. So, Savoy is fair game. He brings him in, and they kind of leave us on a cliffhanger for the rest of, or, I mean, for the, the bulk of the story. We'll get back to who and why and what happens here in just a moment. First, we've got to figure out what the fuck happened to this goddamn seal. Oh, by the way, Samich J. Harper is an actual seal. (laughs) He's not a Navy seal, a naval seal. So, yeah, more good shit coming out of the... (laughs) Gotta love the fucking talking animals, man. You're not talking animals, but working animals. Working animals. So, Tony, he's, he's there to investigate, and where's there? Well, he's 6,000 meters below the sea at the sea station Yamapulu. And when he gets down there, he's undercover. He's got to go undercover because he knows that a bunch of his uh, suspects, if they were to find out who he really is, an FDA agent snooping about, some shit's probably going to be covered up and all of this stuff. So when he gets down there, he's being introduced to the site and everything, and he learns that he's not just down there for a quick any outy type of uh, situation. Uh, Appleby sent him down there in a very dangerous situation for what he finds out is three weeks. And as soon as he realizes, I'm down here for fucking three weeks, that fucking Appleby takes off his <laughs> his his uh, disguise and he pretty much outs himself. He's like, dude, I'm Tony Chu, FDA. Uh, I'm here to arrest someone. Someone killed Samich and I'm going to find out who it is. And I have reason to believe that the reason Samich was killed is because he found out that one of you motherfuckers was working for the Church of Immaculate Ova. So, out of the four suspects that we see in this particular issue, Tony immediately discredits two of them. And it comes down to the fact, to the point where it's either A, the guy that eats fish and grows brains, so fish equals brain power, or B, the guy that is able to create uh, fission bombs out of oysters. Well, <laughs> the Dr. Connor Kubliak, the brainfish guy, he does confess. He's like, yeah, I fucking killed that goddamn seal, but he, I had nothing to, I don't know what you're talking about with this church. I killed the seal because he eats all my goddamn fish, and I need my fish to get smart. So, a little bit of a fight ensues, but Tony, at this point in time, through nine volumes, he's become quite the fucking fighter and badass, and he's developed all these new abilities and powers through his cybopathic ways, and one of which is extreme throwing accuracy on account of all them baseball players he chewed up. (laughs) And, uh, so he takes one of these oyster fission bombs and throws it right into the brain of... Dr. Connor Kubliak, and problem solved. Uh, at this point in time, he says, you know what, fuck this shit, I'm done with all these missions, I'm going back, I need to bang my wife. And <laughs> that's pretty much how that ends, but we do get an interlude. Sorry, not an interlude, an epilogue. And in this epilogue, we realize that one of these scout dolphins down in the uh, 
secret underwater lair has come about, and he's a chatty motherfucker. Well, well, I mean, what are we going to get out of that? What do you mean a dolphin is chatty? Well, throughout this, they do touch on the fact that this new piece of technology, which there's no way in fucking hell... Okay, I'm going to try it. Piscarredidador. Holy shit, I think I did it. That's actually what... Piscarredidador. And what does a Piscarredidador... Can't say it now. Piscarredidador do? Well, it translates sea talk. So, what's this dolphin saying? He's got a message, and that message is simple. Chicken is doom. And, uh, yeah, that's, that's how that ends there. So, the first two chapters, very different from each other. The first one is you know, pretty much saying, Hey, welcome to this new volume. And some people are uh, getting married, and shit's going down. But in the second one, we've got real missions going down. And the missions just get gnarlier and gnarlier as this volume goes on. But first, we got ourselves a little bit of a bonus interlude here. Now, I if you've been reading this uh, series at all, you know that there is a badass little rooster by the name of Pollo. And Pollo, he's, he's really become kind of the, well, I can't say unsung hero, but just... The, the the badass of this entire there's a lot of badasses in the book but the one that's never been doubted is Poyo. Well, he gets himself his own little side story here in this interlude, and <laughs> it really opens up a whole new world of possibilities for this title. Yes, I know it's finished. the The series is complete, but with what this interlude shows, it just there's. A whole world of mini-stories and side adventures and shit that could possibly come about this. Well, what makes me say that? Well, let me talk about it. We got Poyo. And Poyo right now, he's being celebrated. He's got his own little parade action going down. And the reason for this is he just saved the president's life. And in, on multiple levels. For one, he, you know, the president was being attacked. But Egg had him hostage. They injected this... A nano type of uh, technology and or bacteria inside of the president, and it was gonna soon kill him. Well, after Poyo dives bombs in, fucks everybody up, and gets the the president to safety, he actually shrinks down using this uh, shrinking machine that the government was testing out, and he's brave enough to be the first little trooper, and it works on him, and he shrinks down, and he goes into the bloodstream, and he kicks that bacteria's fucking ass in Poyo Manor. Hence, the parade. Well, what we see here is, you know, Poyo riding on the back of that limo isn't exactly Poyo. It's a stand-in. Poyo doesn't have time to be celebrated. He's got secret missions to go off and do, and in other worlds. Yes, other worlds, and that's that's what I was getting to a, a couple of minutes ago, and the the possibilities of this entire series. Uh, Poyo he goes off to the well, the kingdom of oh shit, what's it called? Yoke, 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 Yoke. I think is what it is, or the world of Yoke. Whatever. It's not here on Earth. It's this medieval type of thing where. Magic exists, even though it's still very much denied, but it clearly exists. And his mission is to take down the Grossiomancer. And the Grossiomancer has the ability to summon vegetables and fruits from the garden and turn them into giant fucking rage monsters and terrorize and pillage towns and shit like that. So it's up to Poyo to take down the Gyromancer, who is being held in this 
uh, well, not being held, but he's holding himself up to safety in this far away whatever. And it's not just up to Poyo. He teams up with 23 other badass-looking heroes, but through a montage of gore and blood, it comes down to the point where it's really just Poyo. It's, uh, everybody else has been taken out, out of commission, if not dead, useless in battle. So Poyo goes in, whoops the Grossiomancer's ass, uh, but it seems as if <laughs> um, it, he, Poyo is defeated. Because uh, the, the first time we see him fight, you actually see the Grosio Mancer. He's got Poyo's head in his mouth, and he's just eating him up. But that's not what happens at all. Poyo, being the badass bird that he is, has the Grosio Mancer clamped down by the jaw piece, and he rips his fucking skeleton out of his skin, and yeah, that's what the fuck happens there. Well, the the world of Yoke declares Poyo king, and as he is crowned, the Merlin, if you will, of this world tells advises the king and says, I would take that crown back because it's not actually Poyo. Poyo is way too important to be here sitting on a throne eating giant turkey legs and shit. So before he actually was given a crown, threw in another stand-in, or not another stand-in on his behalf, but... Another, yeah, you see what I'm saying here. A stand-in is there, uh, a stand-in king, and that that can't be happening. So Poyo's off fighting some other badass in this, and yeah, like I said, it's uh, it's just an interlude, but it's fun, it's exciting. There's <laughs> there's so much to be enjoyed about these interludes, and like I said, visually, visually is where a good portion of this enjoyment is. So you gotta pop these open. Poyo's just an interesting fucking character. But let's move back to the main part of the story. Let's get on to Volume 3, or Chapter 3, actually. And in Chapter 3, it is very, very Olive-based. Olive being uh, the the daughter of Tony Chu, obviously. And we get uh, an insight as to her acceleration as a cyborpath, and being the most... Well, can't say the most powerful cyberpath because the collector is the most power, most most powerful cyberpath, but much more powerful than her father. Uh, she's able to hone into her powers a lot better, and actually has the ability to turn them off and on. So she's able to eat a decent meal, a normal meal, besides just beets. So, uh, despite Colby's best judgment and partnered up with Savoy now. They are, or Mason, Mason Savoy seems to think that Olive is ready. Uh, she's, she's ready to go into battle, let's take out the Collector, and yada, yada, yada. Uh, so, in doing so, their first mission is to get to the guy that uh, had the, the, the fudge gun at the uh, fucking government convention all of that shit well now that he's out of his coma he's he's willing to talk and it's, he's not just willing to talk he was forced into it he was tortured by some pollo titty twisters <laughs> and uh they get to the hospital he he speaks his word and uh he ends up giving he doesn't give up the collector he doesn't know exactly where he is but he does give up the collector's closest lieutenants so from there they go and they track down these lieutenants. And by they, it is uh, Olive, Kobe, and Poyo. 
with uh, Savoy watching from a distance. Savoy and Caesar, I believe, watching is an Applebee. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's right. An Applebee watching from a distance. So uh, as soon as they arrive in there, they call out these. Uh, they're they're disguised as cake makers or whatever. That's their little racketeering job to get away with being criminals. I don't know how all that shit works, but you get it. Uh, they expose them, say FDA freeze. Well, turns out uh, they're immediately surrounded and completely outnumbered by these Spetsnaz agents that have all been hiding. And uh, Kobe's first instinct is, well, let's just drop Poyo and fucking let him do his thing. You know, well, we're, we're, we're fine. Don't worry about it, Olive. And Olive is very much like, do I look fucking worried? Pick up your goddamn chicken. Watch this shit. And then the next thing you see is... You know, a bunch of bodies flying out of windows and shit, roadhouse style. And Savoy and Applebee and them coming up saying, Hey, you know, mission success. I hope you got your information. Or now let's go in and get information. I see that you had to use our, our little secret weapon, Poyo. And Kobe says, No, no, no. That's, this was all fucking all of She did all this shit her own. She whooped a mass. Whooped a mass? Whoop a mass. Whoop some ass with them chocolate blades and weapons and tortillas that she fashioned up. So, it just goes on to prove, you know, even Colby says, Okay, Savoy, you're right. Maybe maybe this girl is ready. Maybe we're ready to do this. So, let's go, you know, chomp on some, lick some blood and get our, get our information. Well, when they go to lick on that blood and get that information, they realize that there's some sort of blocking agent that is preventing cybopathic powers from being able to do cybopathic shit. But because Olive is so advanced in her ways, the that technology does not pertain to her, so she's still able to lick that blood, and she flat out says, I know exactly where the Collector is. And that is Chapter 3. Uh, yeah, Chapter 3. It's, <laughs> like I said, a very Olive-based story. She's a total badass. At this point in time, there's no reason to doubt a, a fight between her and Collector. Well, there may be a little bit of doubt, but still. She's she's proven that she is, she's more than worthy. Savoy is right, despite... Uh, uh, God damn it. Colby's best judgment. So, yeah. On to Chapter 4. Chapter 4, we get a couple of pages, centuries and centuries ago in this Chinese culture, we get this practice of the Zandao Way. And the first master of the Zandao Way, uh, he came about, well, he's actually a great warrior to begin with, and when he's going to get his, his prize, <laughs> is the bad word uh, for whatever it is, but um, he's going to get rewarded for a war that he had won by the emperor. The emperor says, yeah, no, um, instead of being, you know, my top knight, you're going to be my master chef, the practicer of the Zandal way, a warrior chef. And, you know, this, this warrior, he's not all about it, but the emperor goes on to say, you're going to be the best Zandal chef or Zandal way practicer of all time. And then you're going to train your son and he's going to train his son and it's going to go on forever and they're just going to get better and better and better. And then the next thing we see is this was just another power consumed by the collector. And then from then on out, it's just full on war. This team that's, you know, right after in chapter three, you know, Olive says, I know where he's at. Well, immediately there, it's just every slaughter fucking collector just taking everybody out. Uh, it's, I mean, Applebee's cut and halved with a fucking pizza cutter. Uh, it, 
goddamn chopsticks are getting thrown into Mason Savoy. You see the Olive's not there, though. Olive's not in this carnage yet. So as Collector's pretty much walking away saying, you guys are fucking useless to me, I'm out, leave you here to die, that's when Olive's on the other, other end of that door. And she throws her little fucking goddamn tortilla stars at him, and he takes it like a champ, as he would, and uh, he realizes, after he takes a bite out of it, as, or out of the tortilla, after he pulls it out of his face and realizes her connection to everybody, you know, how he's been, or uh, she's been trained and taken under the wing of Savoy, and not only that, but also the daughter of Tony Chu, which he has uh, uh, a little bit more of a grudge for than most. So, before he can go and cut her fucking face off, Savoy, he's able to hop on the back, get out of here, kid, and it really seems like that's not enough. All is fucking lost, and... But if you haven't noticed, there is one more key warrior missing from this equation, and that would be Poyo. So, there, uh, Kobe, he goes in to make the call to Agent Pina, his ex-wife, and says, bring in the safe... The failsafe. Bring in Pollo. Pollo comes in. We're good. There's no way this fucking psychopath is taking out this goddamn war chicken. Pena says, you know what, motherfucker? You broke my heart for the last time. Drops in the failsafe box, but it's it's not Pollo at all. It is Baby Cakes the Squirrel. And we get a backstory on Baby Cakes. And Baby Cakes was birthed from the tree that prevents Ragnarok and uh, trained under the demonic powers of the hell something and then you know they're given this whole long backstory and they say that's ac none of that's actually true at all just turns out this this baby cake squirrel is just a regular ass fda agent with a cybernetic eye and then the next shot is really <laughs> the baby cake's just getting fucking decimated and dies in immediately fucking immediately right out of the box boop dead so all is fucking lost right there but then we get a flashback, and the flashback pertains to the instances occurring right before they storm the, the castle of the Collector. And that scenario includes Kobe actually trying to get Chu down there to join the team. Still doesn't, he doesn't say who's on the team, but says, look, we got the Collector right here. Just trust me, dude. Let's come in. Let's take this out. But Tony says, no, dude. My sister said that in order to take out the collector, this and this and this has to happen. Doesn't say what this and this and this was. We none of us still know what that is, and by none of us, I mean readers, anybody. That's um, still a secret. But the fact is, he says that this is you are going to fail. Do not do this. Who do you have with you, man? This your whoever you have with you is going to fucking die. Well, uh, Kobe says, okay, man, I got gotcha. you. Goes to divulge that information to the team leader, Applebee, and, you know, obviously with Applebee not being a super fan of Tony, he completely goes against those wishes and says, let's storm the gate. What's the worst that can happen? And, well, we know what's the worst that could happen. All them motherfuckers get cut up. Applebee gets half. Seriously, he gets cut in half of the fucking pizza cutter. I mean, you could see him crawling with his entrails, going to grab the hand of Kobe. I mean, this dude, <laughs> this shit is fucking bananas. Bananas. It's, oh, fuck. Uh, it's more, I, I'm rambling because, stuttering because <laughs> of how badass this was. Uh, let, let's get on to issue five before I 
keep rambling and stuttering. Issue 5. Hey, remember Paneer? Uh, Tony's ex-husband, and by Tony, I mean Antoinette, 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 Tony's twin sister, Tony Chu's twin, they're both Tony Chu, you get what I'm saying, that guy, well, you could see that he's, he's trying to go around, and you would imagine that he's lonely at this point, on account of his wife's been murdered, and he goes up to, the, her, the, the, the family, you know, Tony, and, Chow and all of them, and he's trying to, you know, hey man, you want to fucking catch a movie, and you want to do this, and I, I have this uh, space salt that could really kick up your fucking game, you're, you're cooking there, top chef Chow, and just shot down after shot down, and, you know, if that's not sad enough, you realize that the reason why he's actually seeking companionship from these two, or yeah, these two particularly, is because before Tony died, she asked him, you have to look after my brother. And he is saying, well, which one? Which one? <laughs> and she never really says which one. So his idea is, I'm going to look after both of them. So from there, we, we go back, we go to the hospital. We see the team in critical condition being rushed in. Uh, Appleby somehow seems to be hanging on, even though he's just an upper half. Uh, Olive is in surgery. They won't even show us her face. Uh, Chow was also a part of that team. He didn't really do much. I guess he was there for moral support, but he's b being defibrillated. Uh, Mason Savoy, he's he's in uh, he's in surgery. He's being operated on in several parts. But the one thing you realize is that oh shit, Kobe's not in there, and. That 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 is touched on here in just a minute. So we go back to the waiting room, and Tony he's pacing back and forth. At this point, he realizes that his daughter was a part of this team. He's fucking fuming with everybody, mostly Kobe, um, and I would imagine Appleby pretty hard as well. But he looks over and he sees Paneer there, and uh, he's also sitting there with his his wife as well, um, Antoinette. And she she's saying, hey, what, what, you know, why don't we figure this out? Let's see who did this. And he sees the, the trail of blood going into the operating room. And he, he takes his little lick as he does. And he realizes that uh, uh, the reason why this team survived is because of Paneer. Um, in that last issue, you know, you realize that you never, you don't see the departure of the collector from there. It just seems like all is fucking lost. Well, the reason why the team was able to survive is because Paneer, despite being denied company for weeks and weeks and weeks, he, he gets this, uh, well, he's sitting there sulking at his desk, and he gets this hot tip on a satellite imagery that was intercepted somehow, and that imagery contained information of a potential invasion on this particular error and the people involved in that just so happened to be one of the chews and that chew was chow but nevertheless that was enough for him to say oh shit i gotta protect shit so he orders this nasa drone strike and it's not just a drone strike the nasa agents have like full-on fucking almost damn near iron man robot suits that they go in and fuck shit up with so they don't defeat collector he's able to get away but their mission really was to more rescue than it was to 
uh, yeah, uh, obtain, detain, destroy, whatever the other half of rescue would be, opposite of rescue would be. So Kobe or Tony realizes that, and he goes up and he personally thanks Paneer. And as those two are kind of buddy buddying up, Kobe comes in the frame, and Tony fucking loses it on him. He really does. He just goes fucking ape shit, and Kobe or yeah, Kobe. He he's like, you know, I'm my bad, dude. I'm out. I'll let you deal with this on your own. So he calls up an old buddy at a bar for a drink at a bar, and that old buddy would be a former partner of his, one that you know never uh, depreciated the value of his partnership. That Poyo or the. <laughs> fucked it up that partner would be Poyo so as Poyo sits at the bar and just I mean obviously doesn't have anything to say he doesn't fucking talk he's a goddamn rooster but he listens to Kobe spill his guts about how good of a partner he was and the bartender cuts him off and as they're walking out the bar uh Kobe has Poyo in his arms and he's still praising him you're such a good partner sorry I have to do this and he fucking snaps his neck Poyo the ultra super agent with his guard down gets killed. And it's not just to snap his neck, see what happens type of thing. He snaps his neck, and Kobe is. I mean, he uh, walks off into the, the, the moonlight over the hill, dragging the, the, the dead bird, or holding the dead bird by its floppy fucking neck. And that is how you end a volume motherfucking nine. I understand why they gave that extra <laughs> love to Poyo in that interview, or interview, interlude, because it's the last time we're probably going to see Poyo, at least in current timelines. I'm sure we're going to get lots of flashback scenarios and shit, because this character will forever be missed, no doubt. Uh, a character with no dialogue, go figure. Besides, Buck. <laughs> John Lehman and Rob Guillory once again deliver solid motherfucking gold. And I can't not discredit or I can't discredit the the colorist either. Taylor Wells on the color. But uh fuck, dude. This this series just gets crazier and crazier. We've got what are we at? 10, 11, 12 more to go. Or not 12 more to go. 3 more to go. And this series wraps up. I really do hope that we get more of this, but that's another conversation, another time. Stay tuned for the next installment of Trade Negotiations. Will it be Chew Volume 10? Will it be something else that I choose randomly? Who fucking knows? <laughs> we'll find out. Um, but I do take recommendations as well, so if you guys want to hit me up on Twitter, at Cheers to Comics, or anywhere else you could find me on social media, I will be happy to take those recommendations and suggestions. Uh, I do suggest that you send me those books, though, but that's not fully required. <laughs> uh, I would like to thank you all very much for tuning in. Uh, I would like to also remind you of ways to support this podcast. And we do have, we say we, this is a one, I keep doing that. Uh, the Cheers to Comics podcast does have a Patreon page patreon.com slash cheers to comics and from there there are several tiers and ways to be able to help support this podcast lets me know that you're enjoying it and there, there's tiers that start out at a dollar and uh, it, it might be the best val dollar value tier on all of patreon 
And I'm not going to go through and give you a list of all the tiers, but just to show you the type of value and appreciation that I have for my patrons, the, the first tier starts out with if you run into me at a pub and you can prove that you're a patron, then the next beer is on me. So for a buck, I don't know where you could buy a beer for a dollar anymore. So that alone is worth it. And the, the value just gets better and better. I, I It's not about me making money. It's about showing my appreciation. And the money that you send to me is just showing that, yes, you appreciate me. The other way I suggest that you show appreciation and support to the Church to Comics podcast is to leave a rating. Uh, no matter what platform you are on and listening to, there's usually some sort of way to leave a little bit of feedback, whether it's a five-star rating or a comment or a like or whatever that may be, a little heart. I don't, I, I don't listen on all of the platforms. I don't know how they all work, but there's all some sort of way to show acknowledgement. And that, that, that helps the podcast tremendously, and it's free. Well, I can't say it's free. It does take a little bit of time, and I know your time is valuable. But uh, it doesn't cost you anything out of your pocket immediately, if that makes you feel better. But I'm done with all the promotion and shit now. And I just want to thank you slurds, my slurds, get used to that word, <laughs> for tuning in once again to the Cheers to Comics podcast. I have been Brian Wayne and will continue to be. Uh, you'll be hearing from me next time, fuckers. Cheers.